Hey, friends. You're listening to Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Fast Forward Radio is an audio production of The Speculist, and you can find us online at speculist.com. That's S-P-E-C-U-L-I-S-T dot com. Or you can go straight to the blog at blog.speculist.com. At The Speculist and on Fast Forward Radio, we talk about emerging technologies and emerging possibilities. We talk about the future, and we're not afraid to give the straight scoop about what's happening in the world and what we think is going to be happening in the world. And, and the straight scoop is that the sky is not falling, and if you're really willing to look at the evidence, we live in a world that might just be getting better all the time. Moreover, we believe we stand on the brink of an incredibly bright future, if we play our cards right, a future that most of us haven't even imagined, much less dared to hope for. But it's a future that we're all very much going to want to live to see. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and... With me in the virtual studio is my co-blogger, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? I'm super fantastic. How are you doing? Oh, great. Very good. Good. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm psyched about the program that we've got lined up tonight. We, we've got... Uh, yeah. You know, we always say we've got a fun show, but tonight, I mean, we've got no excuse for it not being a fun show. Am I, am I right? <laughs> Absolutely. Our, our, our theme tonight will be fun, so, I mean, uh, quite literally, so... Uh, yeah, how can you not have fun if you're talking about fun? So if we can't have fun with this, we just got to pack it in, man. That's, that's right. That's all there is. <laughs> but um, I want to I want to kick it. Off. I will first want to say hi to our chat host, Michael Darling, who's laying a little bit low this evening, but perhaps he'll come on just long enough to say hi. Evening, gents. Michael, glad to have you with us here. Laying low, we won't bother you. You uh, man the chat room. We we believe he had a little more fun over the weekend than he could handle. So we're we're giving him kind of a Kind of a hall pass tonight, would you say, Stephen? Is that uh... well? That's what that's what we're going to do. And uh, but, Mike, feel free to uh, chime in when you when you feel like it. Of course, as always, you know, feel free to uh, jump in with um, witty, uh, incisive comments at any time. Uh, or if you're figuring why start tonight? No, I don't know why I'm picking. <laughs> that's oh, <Hedley>. man. <laughs> Very nicely done. Well done. Okay, we got in on that headly. So. Uh, what I want to do before we get into our overarching topic, which is the fun future and the future of fun, is we've got a few fun topics that we want to cover ahead of time. And the first thing I want to do is hit uh, a couple of our regular features, which we've not, uh, we've not done much with over the last few weeks. So I want to actually have a kind of a, an interesting sort of a back-to-back uh, of, of our Tales of the Paranormal followed by our astounding science facts, and I've actually got a story that bridges both of those. As uh, Michael had pointed out in an email this morning, I, I looked at it and I said, you know, that's really what's, what's going on here is we, we have a story that begins as a tale of the paranormal and ends as an astounding science fact. So let's begin, Stephen, with a journey into the unknown with a little feature we like to call... And this story actually takes us back to, um, I believe it was in December. Yeah, I'm looking at this. It was uh, December of 07, so about six months ago. And uh, I found this iteration of this story on the BBC News had, uh, BBC News website. So this is not uh, uh, this is not coming uh, as some of our previous tales of the paranormal from paranormalnews.com or from Pravda or one of those uh, super reliable sources. This is from the BBC. Okay. Okay. And. The headline is, UFOs exist, says Japan official. Did you hear anything about this story when it broke back in December? 
Stephen, by any chance? Uh, no, but uh, if he's if he's being literal, then yeah, of course UFOs exist. But, right, but I think he's saying more than that. Let's. Uh, okay. Let's, All right. Uh, let, yeah, yeah. Clearly, there are objects flying around that we haven't identified. But uh, right, right. Yeah, here's the story. Japan's chief government spokesman has announced that unidentified flying objects, UFOs, exist. Earlier, in response to a question from an opposition lawmaker, the Japanese government issued a statement saying it could not confirm any cases of UFOs. So I, I believe the term here must be... In flying saucers or whatever. Yeah, flying saucers, exactly. That, not, just, not just unidentified flying objects. Okay. Yeah, because gotcha. there have to be some anomalies somewhere in aviation history in Japan where they looked at something and said, I don't know what it is. Yeah. But Chief Cabinet Secretary Nobutaka Machimura later told reporters he believed they were definitely real. It's the sort of question politicians dread, but under Japanese rules are unable to ignore. A member of the opposition asked the government what its policy was to deal with UFOs. He said work should begin urgently to try to confirm whether or not they exist because of what he called, and this is a quote, incessant reportings of sightings. The Japanese civil service swung into action. In a statement, it said that should a flying saucer be spotted in the country's airspace, a fighter would be scrambled to attempt visual confirmation. But it emphasized that the government was not aware of cases where a UFO from space had been discovered. Most alerts turn out to be birds or other objects. So, okay, there is this whole, we do have UFOs, they usually turn out to be something else, but now they're cobbling together an official government policy on uh, what to do if an alien spacecraft shows up. Okay. Okay. Right there in right there in Japan, with with the, a government official confirming, uh, this is uh, Nobutaka Machimura confirming that he believes they exist. It says he drew laughter from reporters when he admitted that this was a stereotypical response from the bureaucrats, and perhaps with his tongue a little in his cheek, he insisted that he believed UFOs did definitely exist. Oh, so maybe he was. Oh, I've read too far now. Maybe he was kidding around. Question about the existence of alien spaceships. Japan's prime minister. Yasuo Fukada thought about it and then answered carefully. He said he had not yet confirmed whether they existed. The conspiracy theorists and uh, your host here will note that the answer was not a no. Okay? So we've well, got maybe, maybe this is an example of how every country needs to have at least one nut in the legislature or whatever, you know. Um, to, to represent the, the, you know, those in, in, in the uh, society who be, happen to believe in these things. Well, the people who are, you know, you're calling them nuts, but I'm going to say tuned in to these things, okay, who are ready okay. to accept the truth, you know, they need to be represented, right? That's a, yeah, There you go. And so you have to have at least one person in Congress in this country and or maybe the parliament there or whatever uh, that, that comes out and says, yeah, these things are real. And, you know, and everybody else kind of chuckles and then it goes, about, goes on about their business. Is that what we're seeing here? I think not. I think okay. we've got one one minister who who is confirming it, and then the prime minister not denying it. Okay. Okay. All right. So I think that Japan knows something about UFOs, and um, um, that's what leads us now to uh, out of uh, astounding science facts. Nicely done, Stephen. Spare me the awkward transition. Just play the other end. <laughs> exactly what was needed there. Well done. You're in. Yeah, we're, we're, you know, when we're having segue trouble, we just, you know, <laughs> that's exactly what we did. Cut to, the, cut to the MP3. All right. That's right. This is from Yahoo News Today, okay? 
Life in Outer Space, Astronomers Hunt Aliens. Tokyo, Dateline Today, gang. Japan's biggest astronomical observatories are teaming up for an unprecedented quest to find out whether there is life in outer space. The project, led by Japanese astronomers, will bring together a dozen or more observatories from all over the country to study one star that researchers see as a potential home to an extraterrestrial civilization. Everyone wonders at least once in their lifetime whether space is infinite and whether aliens really do exist, said Shinyai Narawasa, chief researcher at Nishiharama Astronomical Observatory in western Japan. The search for aliens and UFOs is not new to Japan. Last year, UFOs grabbed the headlines after a lawmaker submitted a question to the cabinet on whether the country had confirmed any cases of their existence. The government's answer, no, although one minister said yes. In the scientific world, Japanese researchers have used antennas to catch radio signals from outer space and analyze the prisms of celestial lights to see if any laser emissions from space can be found, Narosawa said. Their searches have not been too fruitful so far. The new project will involve multiple astronomers filming one star over several nights sometime next year, along with the usual light analysis and recording of radio signals. He says, when there are some suspicious signals, sometimes it's hard to tell whether they are artificial ones coming from the Earth, for example, from machines, or whether they are coming from the stars in the natural world. So there you have it. Six months ago, this question comes up in Parliament. Are UFOs real? And now, just a few months later, Japan on this huge initiative to prove that there may be life on other planets. Now, the thing I need to ask is, do they have some particular star in mind? If they've got special knowledge, then, you know. You no, know, that's, a, that's a good question. And I would think that it's probably one of these, you know, we've, we've reported on the speculist over the last couple of years. Uh, some, of these, some of these stars they've found have been increasingly um, sun-like or have had planets that look like they might be Earth-like, possibly orbiting them or something like that. I, I assume they must be looking at, at, the, at the profiles of these new star finds and, and picking one out that they think is going to be a... <laughs> you know, likely to be a winner. But, uh, or, you know, again, if there is inside knowledge about extraterrestrial life in the Chinese government, maybe they already know which star to point at. You see, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, exactly. Exactly. Well, so, of course, that kind of throws us back into Tales of the Paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I, I don't think I'll play it again, but yeah. No, it okay, kind of does. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the the best thing to do is just stay tuned right here, right? We, Stay tuned. We will, we will be updating you either with additional uh, buttons on Tales of the Paranormal or Astounding Science Facts, depending on which way Japan goes with this thing. So <laughs> Exactly. So stay tuned. But we'll be having fun with it either way. And speaking of fun, uh, let's talk uh, about the movies. I know uh, one of the topics we wanted to get into this evening is what an extraordinarily fun movie summer we're having this year. And what are your thoughts on that, Stephen? Well, I mean... We it's it has been a fun summer because and I've I've gone to the movies it seems like every weekend for like over a month and without exception I I've had a good time every time and uh, I I cannot remember when I've when I've ever had a summer like that except for maybe 1982. Okay, I mean okay. The, that's Refresh how long it. Okay. What happened in 82? What did we get? Okay, uh, let's uh, go through. Uh, Conan the Barbarian. All right. Rocky Three, Blade right. Runner, E.T., Firefox, Poltergeist, Star Trek Two, Officer oh and a Gentleman, Secret of Nim, The Thing, Tron, 
and Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Road Warrior. Wow. All that in one summer. Awesome. Yeah, Amazing. that was the most awesome summer ever. And we may be close to having a summer summer similar to to that, and it's just sheer awesomeness. Um, <laughs> sheer cinematic awesomeness. Yeah. <laughs> so what are the what are the contenders this year? What's what's got your attention that that this could be a 1982 reprise here? What what are the what are the big movies? Okay, here's the movies I've seen so far this summer, and I'm counting Forbidden Kingdom as a summer movie, even though it might have been a little bit, you know. Uh, late spring type movie, but uh, Forbidden Kingdom. We're, we're good. Yeah, um, it's still playing somewhere, I'm sure. Um, great, great movie. That was a Jackie Chan Jet Li movie. If you didn't see it, uh, catch it on DVD here in a few months. Uh, you'll like it. Um, it's got a 63% uh, Rotten Tomatoes, um, which means uh, it's fresh. They, they, you know, the critics more or less liked it, and uh, so yeah, it's a good movie. Did you get to get, see that one, Phil? I have not seen that one. No, I did want to go see that when it was out, so I'm planning on picking that up on pay-per-view one of these nights, I think. There you go. And it'll be on pay-per-view probably pretty soon, huh? Then, should be, yeah. Then on May 2nd, uh, the, uh, the summer season kicked off with Iron Man. And right. um, Iron Man's awesome. 93% of critics liked it, according to Rotten Tomatoes. And, um, and we, Phil and I loved it. Um, I, I think it's safe to say. Is that right, Phil? I thought it was awesome. Yeah. yeah. To me, that is the movie of the summer so far, actually. Yeah. I, I, I've seen several others I really like, but uh, that one works for me on just a lot of levels. It's a great superhero movie. It's just a fun movie. It, it uh, I think it, it does write the ridiculous themes. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a good it's movie. A, it's a complete success. I, you know, and I was never all that huge of an Iron Man fan uh, as growing up. That was not, you know, I was. Spider-Man, Hulk, uh, Batman. I mean, but I, I never really read Iron Man. But man, I am now. I'm an Iron Man fan. But anyway, looking forward to the uh, um, to the sequels to that, no doubt. Um, then the next weekend after Iron Man was Speed Racer. Now Speed Racer um, only got 36% positive uh, over at Rotten Tomatoes. But you know, I think it helps to be a nine-year-old kid to go see Speed Racer. Right. If, you, if Did you're you take a young, a to it or, uh, yeah, I, I took my kids to it and they loved it. It's like cotton candy for the eyes. I mean, right. it was a beautiful film, digital all the way through, um, and just I mean, so you know, you better not have uh, one of those conditions that could be set off. Uh, you know, if you have epilepsy, do not go see Speed Racer. It, you, it'll it'll set off a. Uh, you know, a seizure for sure, and I, I'm, I'm being quite. I'm not even trying to be funny. Uh, okay, it, it, that's a serious, a serious possible issue there. Yeah, because I mean, it's just so much stuff being thrown at your, you know, visually being thrown at you, and flashing and everything else. Um, that it, okay, it, so we're working our way through the list. I just want to say this is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Phil and Stephen talking about the fun future and the future of fun. If you have some thoughts on the fun future. We'll be opening up the phone lines here in just a bit. You can call us at 347-215-8972 or join us in our live chat. Uh, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you there, Stephen. So that's all right. Now, okay, now, that was May 9th. How did it compare to the, the TV show? Did they move more? Because what I remember about Speed Racer was it was kind of the first Japanese cartoon any of us ever saw, and the characters didn't really move much, right? They, you know, it's like they'd be kind of frozen in place, and then they'd move a little, and then the car would move. You know, it was, it was there was lots of motion in Speed Racer. This oh, okay. this thing was, uh, and 
Again, uh, the plot didn't have to be. There wasn't much plot to it. Um, John Goodman, um, he 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 almost stole the show. Uh, yeah. There are times when John Goodman uh, really brings his A game, and uh, he outacts the material he's in. Sometimes this is one of those movies, and uh, and it, it's just good. It's it's a fun show for you know for a young audience, but uh, it doesn't really tax tax you mentally. It taxes you visually. Right. Uh, you, you, your eyes will be tired coming out of there. And the world, when you walk out into the mundane world, it seems very mundane after watching Speed Racer. After watching know. some Speed Racer. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, the colors know. look dim. It looks like you're in a black and white movie when you walk out into the real world after being in Speed Racer. I don't know any you other know way to put it. Bookmark that idea because we're going to be talking about virtual reality later, and there could be a, a much more profound version of that kind of letdown for people uh, – Enjoying the kinds of recreation that'll become available in the future. Uh, you know, this is uh, this is uh, uh, like an early warning of that of that kind of thing, possibly. Absolutely. Vi- yeah. Spectacular visual movie, and then suddenly the world doesn't quite look as bright. And, and and we'll get into that a little bit later. Okay, so what's next after Speed Racer? Okay, Prince Caspian, which um, you know some some people liked and some people didn't. I I, I liked it, and uh, particularly the battle scenes were pretty awesome. Um, We've talked about this a few shows back. Sixty-six um, percent of critics gave it gave it positive, so that's good. The weekend following I that, I like Prince Caspian. I think uh, the, the the key to that movie was getting Reaper Cheap the mouse right. Eddie Izzard as the voice. I thought it was great. Uh, big thumbs up for me on that. Oh one. yeah. Um, the next weekend after that was a huge movie as far as uh, what people were looking forward to, and that was the Indiana Jones movie. That and. Uh, Indiana Jones was uh, not a complete success, but the problems that Indiana Jones had were certainly not related to Harrison Ford being too old. Um, no. the, the age of the character actually um, was part of the plot, and it worked. It, you know, an old indie worked. Uh, it was the plot itself was. You know, there were some. They took made, they took some questionable risks with Indiana Jones in this one, and some of the risks pay, seemed to pay off, and then some did not but um 77 percent of critics liked it i liked it and it was good to see indiana jones back on the big screen and so uh it was great hearing that theme again wasn't it absolutely yeah just you know you forget how you know after 19 years it's it's uh, it's nice okay the next move the next weekend following that june 6 kung fu panda opened and uh, phil you haven't seen it yet but great kids movie i mean um i i can't Praise it enough. That's that is one of the finest kids movies. Well, let's see. I guess the last one I liked as well was probably The Incredibles. The okay. last kids right. movie so I that, liked that, as well. That gives you that gives you a good picture of what you're talking about there. Then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you know, The Incredibles is a totally different type of picture. But yes, Kung Fu Panda, another kids movie that was just awesome, and to that extent, eighty-eight uh, percent of critics thought it was great and gave it thumb, thumbs up. Um, June thirteenth, uh, The Incredible Hulk. Um, nice companion piece to Iron Man, and Phil got to watch it as a, du- a double feature, and uh, so that's uh, that was great. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Not quite as success as success uh, as Iron Man. Not quite that great, but very very good. And sixty six percent of critics thought it was good. Just a lot of fun that movie. I thought, and, and you know, we talked about this a little last week. It was kind of a, a sigh of relief uh, after the original The Hulk, the Ang Lee version, which which maybe struck people as a little overwrought, a little heavy-handed uh, treatment of the material. Although I want to say that I caught that on Sci-Fi the other night, 
and uh, I was watching it, and actually that movie was quite a bit more fun than I remembered. So I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to retract a little bit some of the things I had said about the original, uh, or not the original, but the earlier incarnation of the Hulk, the Ang Lee version. Seems like he was kind of having fun with the material with the split screen. He was kind of making it like a comic book, and yeah, he did a little uh, he of that. That was the color palette with the green and the purple. It was just awfully weird and awfully uh, awfully heavy, especially especially at the end. I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, okay, and so this it. last weekend, uh, the one, the movie that opened up for this weekend, um, the big one was Get Smart, and okay. uh, I enjoyed it. I went and saw that one on Friday, and um, and and thought it was great. Uh, they took the material and uh, improved upon it. I thought um, it's instead of uh, instead of the character uh, Maxwell Smart, and, and and the funny thing is, you get the idea from the uh, from the previews. That the, you know he's just going to be a bumbling type fool that right. happens to get the job done you know bumbles into getting the job done which is kind of the way the TV show played it. That was the premise of the show. Yeah. Right. In this movie, it's funny they he he bumbled yes, but he was also he had moments of sheer awesomeness. Um, and I mean on the where he would he, you know yeah you know the 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 part in the preview where he throws the phone. And uh, the phone, of course, is on a cord, and so it doesn't hit the bad guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and so that, that they show that much in the preview. Well, if they'd have shown the very next thing, you'd see that. Well, Maxwell Smart is actually capable of doing some stuff, you know, because right. he says, "Well, if that doesn't work, maybe I'll try something else." Well, he did, and so and, and it worked. But uh, it was a funny movie. Um, Anne Hathaway became a movie star in this one. Uh, if she wasn't before, she certainly is now. And uh, so, it's yeah, very good. Good movie, and fifty-two percent, um, just over half of the critics thought it was good. I, I think when you when you have silly comedies, uh, or comedies that display some silliness, uh, they're at a disadvantage with the critics. I think. Um, so I, I think fifty-two percent is actually a pretty high score for this sort of comedy uh, with the critics. So it uh, and it was and it was a good good movie, and I, I think it's fun. So. Any right. That's, oh, well, so that's what we've had so far this summer. And what do we what do we got coming up? It seems like there's some more yet to come this summer, I believe. Oh yeah. Uh next weekend uh we get we get two movies I just got to see. Uh Wally, Pixar's okay. uh, entry this summer. Of course Pixar um Phil is have they made a movie this bad yet? I don't think so. Um uh, I can't think of anything they've made that was bad. Although I got to tell you, I've been watching the previews from Wally and I'm going, "Geez, this doesn't really grab me." So I, I don't know. Maybe they just didn't cut the trailer well. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to give it a try. Well, I, 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 they have uh, they have earned yeah they they have earned my trust. So I'm going to, I'm going to give them a, I'm going to give them a shot. Um, the other movie I just got to see next weekend. I can't take the kids to. It's Wanted with Angelina Jolie and uh, what's that guy's name that's playing next opposite her. Um, this is this, this is a uh, from uh, the Last King of Scotland, right? Okay. I okay. I, I guess. Uh, but these, uh, it, it just looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. This is a big shoot 'em up, and uh, and uh, it's going to be. It just looks great. And so, anyway, I'm I'm going to be there for both of those, I guess, next weekend. I have to get some, have to get some babysitter on, on Saturday night or something. So anyway, it's going to be fun. That's next weekend, and um, and then the weekend following that, um, uh, July two, any anyway, rate, is Hancock, 
which is uh, Will Smith. Oh, yeah. Will Smith's got to have his blockbuster every summer, and this is it. <laughs> right. Well, and with all these superhero movies out, so he's got to do one, right? Yeah. Uh, this looks like it's going to be fun, too. And, uh, it does look like That looks like a funny movie, yeah. Yeah, and then Hellboy 2 follow, follows that uh, right. on July 11th, and then uh, July 18th we get The Dark Knight, which is the Batman, the sequel to The Batman right. Begins. And uh and we get a few few things that follow uh, after the, after uh, Batman really is the last huge deal, but uh, then we get an X Files movie the following weekend. Um, that one that, that's interesting. I mean, that's it, I'm very much looking forward to that. I've seen the trailer for that. I it that didn't grab me either, which you know was really surprising to me. But I don't know where they're going with the X Files. I got to tell you, I've seen that preview and I'm like, what's this all? Yeah, I, I had kind of I kind of had assumed that X Files was deader than a doornail, but they they're resurrecting it, and uh, uh, here here we go. So, that's well, if pretty... you read the speculist, you'd know I've been putting things up there about the new X Files movie, Stephen. So you know, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I, 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 once once every three or four years, whether you you know you don't want to at least. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think, I've been some, I think every two years I've had an X Files post. Okay. 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 I'm gonna go back and check. But, um, no, my big observation on that, speaking of Last King of Scotland, is it looks to me like Gillian Anderson, while not staying as blonde as she was in Last King of Scotland, is still not as dark of red uh, of a redhead in the new X Files movie. And I think this could cost him a lot, you know. <laughs> that's right. You really, you, and yeah. That's the thing about man. That's the thing about X Files. X Files was almost a black and white show, but the red was the only thing in the show that really the color that's stood right. out. That stood out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you saw her it, hair. It's always know. dingy. I mean, the rest of the, the rest of the show, but uh, man, that red hair. Um, so yeah, can X Files survive without the deep red hair of Julian Anderson? Yeah. Well, I, I will report back on that one. Okay. I absolutely. Weekend, and I'll let you know. So, so and then, then we got a few things following that. Mummy three, which I don't care to see, and then Star Wars, the uh, animated movie, Clone Wars, okay. and then. But last, the last thing of the summer is Tropic, uh, Tropic Thunder, which uh, I am kind of looking forward to. And that's gonna, it looks like it could be fun. So, that's it. That's uh, and that's a pretty big summer. I mean, if you can get two or three things that are halfway interesting to watch, you know, um, then that's that's a pretty cool summer. So, well, plus there's also there's a new. Uh, Mike Myers movie, The Love Guru. There's a new uh, Adam Sandler movie, You Don't Mess with the Zohan. There's a new M. Night Shyamalan film. Well, the the M. Night Shyamalan film is almost universally panned. And, uh, Which often I, happens with his movies. <laughs> yeah, that's true, uh, but they say this one's particularly bad. I mean, yeah, career-ending bad. They said uh, Lady in the okay, Water. Well, they said that about Lady in the Water. Uh, yeah, and, and, and Lady in the Water was pretty weird. Uh, and I, I watched it on... Uh, I watched it on a movie channel one night. It just happened to be on, and it wasn't a, it wasn't as bad as what I'd heard. It was actually, you know, uh, there was a plot. You could follow it. It wasn't terrible, but apparently this one's real bad. And then well, Love, Gu- Love Guru says that... Any movie, uh, would you agree, dumbest title of any movie in our lifetime? Is that fair to say? The ha- Happening. Like, the Happening. Break. I mean, try a little harder next time. Come on. The Happening. As well, well, you know, uh, you know, if if you got in, in the hands of a talented director, I mean, The Happening could, you know, I mean, that title could be just, just perfect. But, you know, uh, Alfred Hitchcock could have taken the, that and, and, and made something, you know, I guess. I, the word it. just doesn't, it sounds very 70s to me. You know, it just doesn't sound threatening or like The Incident. Now, that could be, I don't know. But uh, my... my <laughs> 
my daughter went to see the happening. The antidote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the deal. I don't know. Um, and she reports that it is the worst, the dumbest movie she has ever seen in her entire life. Yeah, that says career-ending bad. I mean, real, yeah. real, real bad. And they said the other other movie that could be career-ending bad this summer is Mike Myers' Love Guru. Oh, they said okay. it, it it actually got worse. Uh, you got nineteen percent of critics thought that the happening was okay and gave it a positive reviews. Only sixteen percent of critics gave Love Guru any love at all. It's uh, it you know they said it was terrible, and so you know oh well. Um, okay, so you skipped over the ones that are not history won't remember them the way it, kindly the way it does all those movies you listed from nineteen eighty two. Exactly. Exactly. I so, know. yeah, you, you you gotta have a, a couple of weekend entries, even in a in a great summer. So I guess that's what those were. And Zohan uh, got mixed reviews. I haven't seen it yet. I guess I'll I'll get to it once the truly awesome stuff uh, I've seen. So, anyway. Now I just want to note something I read in the chat room, which is that uh, our, our good buddy Harvey was actually working uh, in the movie business back in '82. He was running the projector at the. Uh, twin cinemas and at the drive-in, and he saw every single one of those movies that you mentioned, probably multiple times. So. And I, I, I imagine he would agree with me. That's pro- that's probably the high point in cinema, is you know, unless you go back to the uh, to the year that you got Gone with the Wind and uh, um, and what, what was the other one? Uh, oh shoot, Over the Rainbow. Come on, help me. Oh out. yeah, Wizard of Oz. That's right. Wizard of Oz. Those two came out in the same year, and, and several other movies too that were great and they're well remembered. That was like you had that year, and then you had 1982, and maybe now we've got a uh, 1939. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Michael. Yeah, but it sounds like uh, it, it sounds like well, for one thing, I don't think Harvey was around back in 39, but uh, it sounds like no. he's also having some additional fun working at the drive-in. But we can't go there. But anyone reading the chat will uh, understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I should mention that I was working uh, a, the exact same job a year earlier, and I got to watch. Um, uh, what was it? Superman two and Stripes about uh, three dozen times each. So that wasn't quite as good of a summer. I would I would like to have mixed it up just a little bit more than uh, than I did. But anyway, well, let me, our... let me just give you compare like this summer to last summer. Uh, okay. Last summer we had Silver Surfer, Stardust, uh, Evan Almighty, you know, uh, uh, Shrek the Third. I mean, we just in in Spider Man three was even a letdown last summer. So, yeah, I mean, so you you got I mean, just uh, as far as normal summer times go, we're 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 ahead of the curve, no doubt. So all right, this is fast forward radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're talking movies. We're getting ready to talk about the fun future. If you'd like to join our conversation, you can call us at three four seven two one five eight nine seven two or join us on our live chat. So let's. Let's wrap this around now. So we've got uh, uh, we, we've got a lot of fun movies out, and you know, is is the world becoming more fun? Do we do we live in an increasingly fun focused culture? Would you say? I mean, one of the one of the ideas that we talk about on the speculist is that generally um, the, uh, automation of work has created more leisure over the last what since industrialization anyway. If, if not throughout all of human history, and so we've we've been able to focus more on enjoying ourselves and, and having fun. We talk about um, 
accelerating change. We talk about technology uh, growing at a rap more and more rapid pace. Does that mean that uh, the automation of work is going to happen faster, that we're going to get more leisure time, that we're going to have more options for fun? What, what do you think, Stephen? Well, yeah, I, I, I do. Um, if if you have more more time on your hands, I mean, and, and it seems like um, you know, a lot of people work as as as, as much as as they ever have. But it seems like uh, if you, across the board, if you average it out, there's you know more people are, are being able to take least Saturday and Sunday off, you know, uh, right. than ever before. And uh, you know, and some people you know work even less than that. And uh, you know, the forty hour work week is is. Uh, uh, I think it's fairly standard, and uh, and so you, you know people that work that they have some leisure time, and yeah, you know, and and they have some money, some additional money on hand. Now, obviously, gas uh, going up the way it has has uh, cut into some of the leisure fund, you know, uh, the the fundage for the fund. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, it particularly with things like movies. I mean, that's about the most economical kind of fun you can have as a family, even though. Popcorn, though they'll, they'll stick it to you with the popcorn. But uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, they will. Uh, well, that's where they make their money. Actually, is the the markup on the popcorn is really what gets you by in the movie business, as Harvey would explain if he were to uh, call in and, uh, and and step us through that. You know, the, the, you're kind of you have a captive audience. They, you know, there's no, yeah. you know, when you step that's into the right. lobby, there's the not like 14 different. Yeah, there's not other options. That's it. Yeah, margins on the movie itself are very small, but man, the popcorn. You know, you put 75 cents worth of popcorn in a cup and sell it for six bucks. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's where you're some money right there. Uh, of course, Sherilyn brings the big purse, but uh, we won't get into that. Oh. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Well, you guys are why tickets cost so much. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. When, when I carry my four kids to the theater, I mean, I have to take out a mortgage if I want to take, get popcorn and Cokes for everybody. But, yeah. But there, there, there does seem to be – I mean, I was thinking about myself talking about my bike rack last week, and I go out and – ride my bike there's all these trails around here in colorado colorado is a very outdoor recreation oriented place you know our tourism is our number one industry we're all about skiing we're all about hiking and fishing and yeah beautiful uh, weather most of the year camping yeah, yeah yeah you know so so it's all about getting outdoors and and having a good time but it but it seems like um that adults are able to or have chosen to make that a much more important part of their lives than I think a generation ago did. You know, right. I, I don't recall my dad having a bike. You know, <laughs> yeah. he didn't have a, he didn't have a bike rack on his car, and he didn't go out and hit the trails or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, he liked to have a good time. It's not that he wasn't any fun, but but the idea that that uh, outdoor recreation would just be an, uh, a normal part of his life just wasn't an idea that that, that was part of his generation. You know, it was just right. not something that. Uh, um, that that he would have done back when when he was my age, right. but now it's just assumed everybody does. You know, if if you meet people, it's like, well, what do you do for fun? Everybody's got an answer to that question, right? Everyone has um, something in their life that uh, they use to fill their leisure time. That's that's recreational. That uh, that you know gives them a chance to blow off steam, to not be at work, to to be doing something strictly for the enjoyment of it. And that's of course, right. with recreation, you. You make this other case that you're going out and getting exercise and all that kind of stuff, but you know, I mean, exercise is like going to the gym. Like, right. Getting right. on a bike is fun, you know. <laughs> or it, should it, ought, it ought to be. It ought to be. Yeah. 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 That's 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 kind of the that's kind of the purpose of it. But I, I guess the other question then is if 
if the economy is pushing us in that direction, or, or if the economy is allowing that to happen, does it gain a critical mass at some point? Do we do we reach a point where entertainment and recreation uh, become the center of the economy? I think uh, we'll know. I think we'll know when we uh, we you know go to like I don't know. Uh, you're meeting somebody on an airplane, okay? You 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 sit down next to somebody on an airplane and you ask them what they do. If the answer is not their job, that I, I think that, you know when we will have crossed a, an important threshold when somebody uh, answers that question with something other than what their job is, and uh, and and that becomes the regular answer. Well, I I I, I bike or I, I skateboard. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I skateboard and uh, oh yeah, well you know and I support my skateboarding habit by uh, you know doing this or that. But, uh, yeah, that's I, – I, I think that uh, – and you're seeing more and more of that. I mean – Yeah. Uh, you know, well, I was, definitely there are people – I mean, if you honestly asked them, what, what the answer would be, I play Halo, right? Yeah, that's what I do, and I support Halo. My spouse's um, income supports my Halo habit while I'm <laughs> – yeah. Well, we have uncharitable names for people like that, but I mean, <laughs> but uh, but it's real. I mean, yeah. yeah it, at that point, recreation has uh, has become the the main focus of of those individuals' life. Now, interesting question: Are they having fun? I wonder. Yeah, um, I, I would I would think that definitely uh, somebody that in, in, that spends their time <laughs> pursuing something that they really love is having fun. Yeah, playing um, Halo twelve hours a day. You, well, you better be having fun. Good. Yeah, you, may, you need to find something else to do because uh, get a if, job if you're not going to enjoy it. You know, yeah. <laughs> go get something that will pay. I would think. Would be, yeah, exactly. Would be the correct answer. So, so if that's true, so if we're heading towards this fun future where either. Uh, the focus of the economy is fun, or perhaps the economy is being managed out of our hands. This is post-singularity or near-singularity, where enough of the labor has been automated that there's really not all that much for us to do. Um, then we live in this kind of fun future where we all answer the question that way. If I sit down on the plane, somebody says, "What do you do?" I say, "Well, I run a blog, and uh, I, I, I work on a blog with with some friends, and I, I do a podcast with some friends." Right? That's that's actually what I do. That's my uh, that, that's my main thing. Oh, and I like to do some biking sometimes too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got a bike rack on top of the plane here. Uh, hope yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, when when either the economy itself or our own lives are focused primarily on on those activities. Now, I, I guess the question then would be: um, Is that an inevitable scenario, or are there things that would prevent that scenario from coming into coming into play? And if so, what things do you think would prevent it? Peak oil, peak oil could prevent it. Uh, at least, or, or at least slow down uh, our obtaining the singularity. If we, I mean, if if it beca- if it became a point where we could not afford just daily essentials, then I mean, we our lives could get very much harder, and we'd we'd end up having to work harder to uh, to 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 get the necessities of life. Um, and uh, that that could be something that would uh, cause that to happen. Now, the reason I, I I believe that peak oil will happen, and if it's not, and if we're not close, it it'll happen at some point. And but there are going to be alternatives come online. And so I I believe that in spite of in spite of peak oil, uh, that we're going to see this fun future. So yeah, well, I uh, think I think that's the answer, though. It's you know uh, what can prevent a fun future. Item one on my list was a catastrophe, right? Yeah. Peak oil being one one example, or just 
the end of the world, generally. You know, big yeah, we, we wipe ourselves war. out somehow. Yeah, nuclear war, or something like that. That's that's one possibility. My next possibility for what might prevent it, assuming we avert any of those, that, that we avoid any of those, and 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 the world doesn't end, and we we make a, successfully make a transition to another form of energy. Well, what if the automation never really frees us? Because I have to say that um, to date it has not freed me particularly. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think about uh, – I actually spent about five hours working today. Right. And that's partly due to the fact that uh, this is a very busy time of the year for us. We've got our big uh, user conference in August, and then I've got another really huge event coming up in November. And I'm pretty much flat out between now and just about in the end of the year. With, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take issue with, your, with what you just said, Phil. Um, okay. You you uh, when what you do for you know you work you, know, you worked hard outside over the weekend and you know did some you probably did some chores that were not necessarily the most fun thing in the world around the house right uh, but and and so automation hasn't freed you from those things right but what you do for a living you are in a place that is air conditioned true I'm sure um, you know you and you don't get there by uh, by walking several miles you. You get there by an automobile, absolutely. And and uh, and, and the work that you do is mental work with a computer. Um, compare that to the work that maybe your father or grandfather or great grandfather. Oh yeah, I'm not did. complaining. I, yeah, I'm not I, complaining. I, I, I wasn't, and I wasn't suggesting you were, but I, but I'm just yeah. saying automation has freed you from some of the drudgery. The the type work you do is is like most people in this country is is mental. It's in an office and. And uh, which is quite yeah. a bit different now, from the work. A generation or two ago, they'd work five, six days a week, six, seven days a week, and it's back-breaking drudgery. Yeah, you know, yeah. it kills you by the time you're our age, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't mean to suggest that uh, that I've got it all that tough. Um, I, I, I'm just looking ahead and going, yeah, but I'm not in the fun future yet, right? <laughs> exactly. You're, you're not AI, freed yet. You're, you're. Yeah, the AIs aren't doing product marketing for me yet. Uh, and I'm still doing it, right? So <laughs> exactly, and you and you got it, and you actually have to spend your time doing it rather than you know, you know, going on your fun fun tour of the country or whatever you would do. So could have been out riding my bike today. You see, yeah. I had work I had to do. So that, yeah, that's the that's the, the the tension we live in. You know, today's Sunday, and you think, well, this would really have been a pretty good day to be out on the bike, but I had I had work to do. So so one thing is that automation actually enables us to do more and more and more. But it doesn't kick in, and uh, you know, or, or it takes a lot longer to kick in and actually take over for us to actually free us from anything. Because what happens is, that, you know, um, as things get automated, organizations get by with fewer and fewer people. So you have uh, you have smaller teams working on projects that would have taken larger teams back in the past. But now you've got so much of it's outsourced, some of it's so much of it's done by software, some of it's kind of templated work that's been done before, and you don't actually get a you know, it's like uh, back in the 90s when they kept looking for the peace dividend, right? It's yeah. Like it, it, it never exactly showed up. You know, you're looking for it, you're going, okay, where's my automation di- dividend? Didn't quite get there. So that's one thing. But I'm, yeah, I'm I guess I guess what happened was that you just did a higher order of work now uh, than than yeah. what you used to. You yeah, you're the, organizing higher level pieces, but then yeah. that's very time consuming, and and uh, you get a bigger piece of it than than you would have in the past. Yeah. So. Th- that, that's a piece that I think could prevent uh, the fun future. And the final one is, what if the future gets here and we refuse to have fun? Okay? So, um, and, and explain why or how or what, what do you mean? Yeah. The, this, this came up in the discussion on my blog post about what I call the new racism, which is this, uh, uh, which is pessimism, this uh, kind of excessive uh, focus on 
disastrous futures. And I think one of the things that accompanies our uh, technological progress and our improved conditions, and we've talked about how we've become less tolerant of risk. We talk about how, uh, you know, dangers and, and – uh, and, and risks that, that would have been perfectly acceptable a generation or two ago are completely unacceptable now. Well, as we get more fixated on all the possible negative outcomes, um, it's possible that we don't appreciate our improved circumstances, kind of what you were just saying to me, right? That, yeah. uh, Phil, you've really got it pretty good, right? And, in fact, the thing I wrote was, I wrote, if our fixation with disaster and intolerance of risk continue to grow at the same pace as our overall improvement of the world – the happiest era in human history might turn out to be the most miserable. Because even though we've got it great, we're going to spend our time worrying about all the bad things that can happen and, uh, and not really appreciating the, uh, the fun that we've got. So I think that's probably the, uh, the kind of cultural uh, block to the, to the fun future. If, if, if yeah, to, yeah. If Which is exactly why uh, people need to read the, read the speculist and listen to fast forward radio. We are the antidote. <laughs> or at least we're, here, we're here to keep that from happening. <laughs> exactly. That is our mission. We're a half hour talking about fun summer movies because it's important. Okay, that's what we're saying. All right. That's yeah, that do. is our mission. That's we're on a mission right. from God. <sighs> Beautiful. <laughs> and that mission is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're taking your calls at 347-215-8972. If you want to talk about the fun future, give us a call or join us in our chat room. So let's talk then about what's going to happen. We're going to, we're going to fulfill our mission, as Elwood laid it out there. Uh, we're not going to let the buzzkills get us down. Uh, catastrophe won't happen. Automation will kick in. We'll decide to enjoy the fun future. So what are our choices of the future of fun? Um, what fun will we have in the future that we can't have now? And I, I hear you, Stephen. I know you got one that you want to share. So tell me a fun thing that you're looking forward to in the future. Well, not getting cancer or, you know, or, you know I, I mean, and, and I, I hate to be so down, or you know, uh, but I, I'm quite serious about that. I mean, uh, one of the consequences of getting older, if you live long enough, you're going to get cancer. If something else doesn't kill you. Uh, you will get cancer. Wouldn't it be great to live in a future where you don't have that to look forward to? Or either, you know, you got your, your options are death or cancer. Um, and uh, I mean, that's 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 that'd be a great thing. So I'm talking, I'm, t- I'm thinking about improved health, life extension in general. Um, you know, it, it would living to, living to be uh, 100 years old in a in a 100 year old body it doesn't sound all that great being 100 years old in the body of a 40 year old or a 30 year old uh, that sounds that sounds pretty great and i i, I wouldn't mind being 100 years old and and being biologically young so yeah that's yeah. something i'm definitely looking forward to is uh, a future where getting old older doesn't mean getting old and so i guess that, that's the biggie for me I think I think so too. Well, and and the distinction though I would make though is um, between happiness and fun. Okay. Okay. Because I, okay. I would agree that uh, that not getting cancer is the key to a happy future. Um, but I could like never get cancer and still not have much fun. Yeah, you could you could be completely miserable without cancer, no doubt. Yeah, no, that's true. And so I, I guess or, or just not have much fun, you know, not even be miserable, but just yeah, not just, be just, having just, fun, you know, right? Um, <laughs> just constantly uh, check, you know, clock in, clock out at work, and go home and sit in front of the tube and go to bed and get up and do it again. I, I, you, you could uh, be perfectly healthy and uh, and just do that. Yeah, that's true. 
Um, I, I, I don't ever do this, but I just want to give a shout-out to Harvey in the uh, chat room. Harvey, the new Oldsmobiles are in early this year. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. He's he's. Uh, uh, no, I'm not even going to explain it. Uh, if anyone's following in the chat room, they'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, awesome. um, how about this? Uh, let me let me let me throw a really fun one out there, okay? An, an attempted fun one. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's the future. We've got technology we didn't have before. I think the the big one I look forward to has got to be a fully immersive virtual reality technology because there um, the the fun possibilities open up in a huge way, right? The 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 kinds of things that we can do, the kinds of things we can experience become. Uh, it just becomes a tremendously uh, richer selection of choices than than what we currently have. And and you see where if people get hooked on playing Halo today, how much more addictive if you're in that game fully physically. Right. You're, you're actually you, you know you're actually feeling yourself walking along. You feel the heat from the sniper fire as it almost hits you. You know you feel yourself fall to the ground. You feel the uh, the shock from a from, from an explosion. I mean that's uh, kind of fun to the to the point of being uh, terrifying. I'm not sure if I would enjoy playing a game like that. I don't know if I. Would oh, find you, that. I think you could get into it. I mean, it's that would be uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I, I read a, a science fiction story, and, I, and if I if I can find it and link to it in the show notes, I will. I cannot remember the, the, the title of it, but basically, it was uh, talking. It was imagining a future where people enter virtual reality in sort of a uh, like a you know, it'd be like the Star Wars holodeck type deal, where you you run, you you physically move. You don't just right. you're, you don't just stand there. You you know, you jump, run, move, and it's a future where everybody's in great shape because everybody is involved in some sort of super, you know, active, uh, in, you know, uh, virtual reality. They could be they could be skiing or they could be. Uh, fighting medieval battles and you know you name it um, and everybody's in great shape because of it. So yeah, with the holodeck that that all becomes possible. If if you want sure, to go join William the Conqueror and uh, and 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 help the Normans take over England, you know you just you know you, you plug it in and you're there, right? You got right, to- right. Instead of couch uh, potatoes, I guess we'd have couch Conans. That's what we'd have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> something uh, something that uh, Glenn Reynolds wrote a couple of weeks ago. He was, he was talking about. Uh, Kids actually getting in very good shape playing with these Wii consoles. Yeah, and he said that uh, yeah. we might not be we might not be that far from the day when you'll be able to identify serious computer gamers because of their sleek, chiseled physiques. Right? <laughs> and, and, <laughs> yeah. Kind of hard to picture now, but uh, but but he could actually be onto something there, and that would be pretty amazing. Well, let me give let me give an example of the, the one I thought of because uh, my wife and I were talking about this at dinner, and we we just went through the whole the whole holodeck. Uh, panoply. I mean, it, once you have the once you have the full immersion virtual reality, there, there's so many fun things. You know, you can travel through time. You can create uh, alternate versions of the world you live in where things work out better. You know, yeah. somebody who's a jerk, you can bring them into that world and get the better of them every time, right? I mean, just you know, like like what like what uh, uh, Barclay did on. Uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, where he recreated his world, where everyone was subservient to him, the women were in love with him, everybody thought he was the greatest, right? You know, you could you could have that kind of secret life of Walter Mitty world. But here, here's one that occurred to me: a game. It's just it's Everest, okay? It's Mount okay. Everest. All right. And you physically are trying to climb to the. You're trying to summit Everest, okay? And it is a a, a painstaking 
virtual reality recreation of Everest. So, so like trying to get through a Dungeons and Dragons scenario or something like that, you'd have to play for a long time to actually build up the experience and the knowledge and everything, because you just keep dying, right? Is my yeah. guess. Is is if I were thrown into a full VR simulation of trying to climb Everest, you know, today, I, I would die fairly early on, right? And and the great thing is, you you, you could you just keep working your way up until eventually you would do it. You get in great shape, you know, the whole time. And uh, my wife and I were talking about this. She said, "Well, yeah, but why not really go climb Everest?" And you know, the well, uh, the, the the thing about that is, uh, you know, you get to keep your fingers and your toes. Exactly right. Well, but, I'm sorry. Did I steal your thunder on that, Phil? I'm sorry. No, no. That's that's an excellent way of putting it. I, I put it a different way. I, I put it this way. I wouldn't know until I got there, which was, you know, until I actually got to the top in the VR game, which was the time that wasn't going to kill me. Yeah. So um, I don't really want to die. See, that's the thing. It would be great to actually get to the top of Mount Everest, but I don't want—I don't actually want to die doing it, as so many have. And, uh, yeah, keep all your fingers, keep all your toes. Uh, you build up the experience, and you actually have physically the same experience that they would have, uh, that, that, that a climber would have, but without the risk. Yeah. You, know, you, would, you, would, you would have the internal game risk, but not the risk to life and limb. That, that someone experiences. So it's a it's a great way of controlling risk, of taking that risk and making it fun, making it something very constructive um, that that you can uh, that that you could do with your time. The, the other thing I, I would say about that is Everest is a really good example of as the world develops economically and as we become more of a global community. You know, there are more and more people trying to climb Everest all the time. There's actually a, an environmental impact around just all the junk they're leaving on the mountain and, you know, unfortunately their bodies that uh, often often get left on the mountain. And it's just become kind of uh, kind of a mess, people trying to climb Everest. And, and not, you know, if you take that and multiply that out by a generation or two, you suddenly you're, you're going to have thousands, I don't know, tens of thousands of people trying to climb Everest every year. Wouldn't it be so better? They have to, to drop Wally on the, uh, on the mountainside just to clean yeah. it up. Yeah, well, yeah, they're going to have to do something pretty soon, <laughs> I think. Really. Yeah. But uh, so, so that was my idea. I want to... I want to do the virtual Mount Everest climb. Do uh, do we have anything, uh, Michael, in the chat room? Any other ideas from people on board? It looks like Michael's kind of uh, stuck in one uh, one with one idea. Uh. It's a good idea. That's all I'm saying. There's <laughs> <laughs> um, no point in dancing around it. Sex in virtual reality. Well, you know that is going to have to be a huge, uh, a huge application for holodeck technology. I, I, I don't I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say that it'll be the driving thing um, uh, towards the holodecks. And of course, once, once uh, you know we have it, then it'll, it'll be used for other things uh, uh, as well. But uh, it, <laughs> I would say that that will probably, that will probably drive the technology. Well, uh, much as um, uh, it, it has, you know. No one's particularly pleased with this fact, but it's been pointed out that probably the first business model that really succeeded on the web was pornography. Yeah. Um, it's entirely possible that the, 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 the biggest uh, b- business model for the foreseeable future for virtual reality will be exactly that. I mean, that, that, that's just uh, well, and the mean, VCR. a virtual experience that a lot of people are going to want to have. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, been, it's been pointed out also that the VCR uh, succeeded because of pornography. I mean, in of course, you know. Uh, then, then after it succeeded for that reason, then everybody else bought one. So, yeah. 
Uh, uh, just a, a, another shout out to the chat room. This time to Michael. Uh, all I'm saying is that um, that that people who've tried to build other business models aren't particularly happy that that model succeeded as opposed to theirs. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that uh, the users of the you know the end customers aren't happy about it. Obviously, uh, uh, the, the business model seems to be working. Uh, okay, so I think we're gonna maybe push this an extra segment this evening, Stephen. What do you say? I think we'll uh, absolutely. We got more. We got more to talk about. Yeah, for sure. What what uh, what other fun ideas for the future can you uh, can you think of? Well, there, there there's this point. Um, if you have an indefinite lifespan, um, it's and you've you've got your holodeck and you've had all this different fun for years and years in the holodeck. Is there the possibility of getting bored? You know, I mean, you you don't you no longer have to work for a living, let's say, um, and uh, and and you've done it all in the holodeck, and uh, you've probably done and, and outside the holodeck too. You've 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 lived many 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 years. Is uh, you know, uh, in year in year five hundred, are you going to be bored? I think that's a, that's an excellent question, uh, and. You can see the beginnings of that with the fact that people don't often go back and play the video game, the, the computer games that they've already worked their way through. Right. If if, if you've, I haven't you've touched the Rubik's cube in months. You know, I mean, it's it's solved. You know. Yeah. And, yeah. Once 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 you've kind of once you've kind of solved that uh, that space, it's not that engaging to you anymore. It's not that interesting to you anymore. I think yeah. that. Um, you know the the idea that people would get tired of being able to have sex with anybody they want to might might strike them as a, as a little strange. But I think actually, if you take the uh, if you take the fact that you can't get something out of the out of the equation, it starts it starts to look a lot different. And certainly, um, if you go back to my example of the Mount Everest game, yeah. you know I don't know how long it would take if you're playing a couple three hours every day, uh, working your way up slowly, 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 and then finally you reach the summit. I mean, yeah. I would be so done with that game after that. I'm sure, right? Yeah, that's I, right. I've, I've, I've reached the summit. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I would not want to go back to base camp and take all my experience away and start again. You know, or, or hey, let's try it with bad shoes or something like. You know, I just, <laughs> I, I, I don't think that would. I don't think that would be good. Um, so yeah, what what happens then? How do we stay engaged? In a world where virtually anything is possible, and do we do we run the risk of a world in which we can experience anything that we want to experience not being any fun at all? Well, I'm, my answer to the question, uh, would we get bored, is no. And okay. I think the notion that we would get bored uh, with an indefinite lifespan is something akin to the is it the Tethonus error? Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, or t- help me with um, pronounce pronunciation of that which error i'm sorry uh it's the error where uh if you uh you get you as you get older you know life extension you you spend the life extension in the nursing home uh the it's a honest error error or whatever any right i I don't know that word i'm sorry okay all right that's that is the error that says that if you know we get life extension we'll get to spend 50 years sitting in diapers in the nursing home well that's 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 not you know, uh, Aubrey de Grey has adequately addressed that error. If if you are sitting in the diapers in the nursing home, that is a dangerous way to live. You won't live that long. Uh, what we're talking about is uh, re- regeneration, so that you are in a young body. Okay. The notion that you get bored, though, even in a young body, 
is akin to that because what I'm what I'm talking about is that you would have, in addition to staying young, we also are going to get smarter, and getting smarter changes the whole outlook of fun. It's a okay. whole a whole different deal, and. Uh, as a matter of fact, Eliezer Yadowski has come up with a theory on this, and I'd, I'd like to play like a little segment of, of his speech on it. Okay, before you do, mm-hmm. let me just say that this is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're going an extra 15 minutes tonight talking because we're having so much fun talking <laughs> yeah. about the fun future and the future of fun. Phil Bowermaster and Stephen Gordon. We're still uh, got the lines open if you want to call in and join the conversation at 347-215-8972 or feel free to join our online chat talking about the future of fun. And now here's Eliezer Yudkowsky to talk about the theory of fun. The smarter you are, the faster you generalize, and the faster you become bored with any given problem. Yes, the smarter you are, the faster you get bored. That is how it works. But when you get smarter, you can perceive new areas of the problem space that would have been incomprehensible to you before. Humans would get bored with chimpanzee fun extremely fast, but the space of human fun is enormously larger than the space of chimpanzee fun. If you have 10 bits, you have 1,000 possibilities. If you have 20 bits, you have a million possibilities. If you have 30 bits, you have a billion possibilities. I don't think fun quite goes exactly like that. I don't think it's quite that simple, but I think that the basic relation is the same, that the size of fun space grows roughly exponentially as the amount of intelligence. So, um, you know, a chimpanzee has a limited, you know, area of fun space, and uh, chimpanzees obviously have fun, but um, what the things that they do that are fun are, are so so much more limited by comparison to us. If we're also getting smarter in the future, uh, then the op, the fun space would grow along with uh, along with everything else. So there there'd be opportunities for fun that uh, in areas that we can't even grasp right now. And that has got to be the key to avoid the uh, the boredom to, exactly. to to avoid falling into the to avoid falling into the trap, which is to find means of having fun, or at least to be living a life sufficiently balanced between having fun and doing other things such that you continue to improve, that you continue to grow smarter, you continue to become more uh, whole as a person, more complex, and then your, your increased perspective on the world is going to open up a broader fun space for you, I think, is Eliezer's talking about. I really like that idea. I like the idea of this uh, kind of mappable or describable human fun space. It, it reminds me of, you know, we talk about possibility space, all the all the different possi- possible futures we can I have. I think it's the same thing, isn't it? The yeah, possibility well, space is the fun space. Uh, if, you, if you have more possibilities, you have more opportunities for fun. And, and literally there are, <laughs> there will be things that are, you know, that will be fun and funny to us uh, uh, if we're smarter than that we just couldn't grasp today. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of an episode in uh, Simpsons where Lisa goes to the smart kid school, and you know they they, they put some uh, formula up on the board, and, and all the kids die laughing, and Lisa's sort of sitting there going, you know, what's so funny? And they, There's some kind of pun written into the formula. Or exactly, you know, R D R R apparently oh, was yeah. uh, the, the answer to the, uh, <laughs> to, to the 
equation. And the you know, kids not all that thought it matters, but I believe it was actually Bart who got sent to the fun school. He oh, okay, created okay. Uh, test scores with the nerdy kid, and he ended up at the fun school. <laughs> or the, the smart school, yeah. I'm exactly. sorry, the smart school, yeah. Not that. <laughs> it wasn't a particularly fun school, except for all those genius kids who thought the RDRR thing was hilarious. But, exactly. <laughs> but you know what I just did? I just demonstrated the difference between a, 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 a nerd and a geek. And I, I fell down firmly in the in the nerd category. That time. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, we we cross the lines back and forth all the time here. We have to once in a while. It's important. You know, I mean, I, I didn't want you to be on the record saying that was Lisa when everybody knows. <laughs> it was really Bart, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was embarrassed for you, okay? <laughs> but, oh, um, man. So, so we open up this, uh, we, we open up this, this fun space, and what we what we see then is um, the possibility to enjoy a much broader kind of existence than 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 what we currently do. To enjoy ourselves in ways that we really can't even imagine now. In the same way that when we're little kids, we really can't imagine that there could be anything fun in, say, doing this podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. That you know that it's just um, you, you kind of have to grow into doing something like that before it uh, before it becomes any fun for us. So. In fact, for for an adult, if you can if you can shake off the baggage, and if you can um, not focus entirely on all the problems and and drudgery of life, uh, your fun space is is quite a bit bigger than it is as a child, just because there are so you have so many more choices of things that you can possibly do. When when you're a little kid, you're really kind of limited in in what you can do for fun. You can have a blast. Don't get me wrong, you know, but it's riding a, you know riding a bike course. I still do that, but I mean you know it's. Uh, Playing outside with your friends, maybe these days you got you got computer games and, and and some of those kinds of things. But the options become so much greater as you get older and you and you have more skills, you have more experience, you have more knowledge, and you're able to uh, call the shots. That's that's the key. Call the yeah. shots. That's, yeah. yeah, that's it exactly. So likewise, if we are to grow into more sophisticated beings than we currently are, then you know we we stand on the verge of incredibly outrageous fun in the future that we can't even really describe or talk about. That's right. And 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 this is and, and fun at levels and, and being able to do things. I mean, imagine how much fun it would be uh if you had personal flight involved in some sort of uh I don't know a kid a quidditch match. <laughs> For real, you know. <laughs> imagine how much fun that would be. Yeah, um, you've got the actual technology to really fly. I mean right. the broom actually works. And I don't know that I'd do a broom because it just seems like that broom. That looks a little dangerous, doesn't it? Yeah, okay. We don't don't have to go there, but I don't want to see it on my broom or something like that. Okay. But you're flying around. Yeah, you're literally flying through the air, literally chasing the golden snitch or or, or whatever the game is. Or or let's let's take it to that that next level. Let's let's up our level of sophistication. What if um, you are uh, playing that kind of a game uh, in real time in real space with some kind of uh, uh, geopositioning uh, satellite uplink that's telling you, you know, that's telling you where you are, giving you clues to where you need to be, uh, you, you know, and you're tracking a number of different variables at the same time that you're, you know, just having this really fun time flying really fast through the air, swooping, diving, grabbing the golden snitch. I mean, it'd be, it'd be great, and and I guess we could start. Uh, that sort of game would probably be played first in virtual reality, and then uh, you know, after uh, when personal flight became available, then you could do it 
He could do it for real. It, it, it just, you know, things like that, an opportunity to have that kind of fun. That, you know, I, I, that's that's that'd be great, and I, I look forward to that. Yeah, I think I, I think so. I think that the, the the technology opens up new possibilities for us. And then also, what what Eliezer was talking about was just that we become capable of enjoying things that we that, that we really can't now. And that part is a little bit harder to talk about because if we can't really imagine doing it, it's hard to imagine having fun doing it. Right? <laughs> that's, that's that's kind of the trick with it. But you have to you have to believe from your own experience growing from childhood to adulthood that that transition is possible. I think that's, that's right. the thing that, that that tells us that that we would uh that we would be able to do that. And one of the things we, we get to grow about, up again uh, even more, you know, so Yeah. We get to keep growing up. That's the that, that that's the idea, you know, we 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 don't finish growing up. We 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 have uh we 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 always have that uh further advance in our own intelligence, further advance in our own possibility space and in our own fun space that uh, that, that we have to look forward to. Well, right. One of the things Eliezer talked about in his essay that got my attention was he said, you know, if you, if you just think of fun as stimulation, which I think some of these earlier implementations of virtual reality might might end up being, if it's, if it's you know, just kind of the live version of porn, for example. Right. Um, you know, you have the idea that you could just put a wire in to stimulate the pleasure center of your brain and just hit the button, right? And yeah. Just keep hitting the button for 500 years and just making your 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 brain center feel good. Well, I think we can all see that that wouldn't really be fun, even if it would feel good. Even if it would feel good for 500 years, that that would miss out on the idea of an you know of an expanding space or of getting anywhere. Right. Right. You know? And and I think. Uh, Part of part of fun is beyond feeling good. Um, the, what you, what you're doing with fun is you're accomplishing things, and you are you know you've got the you got goals, you reach them, and uh, and then and and that's that's part of what you're accomplishing. So I suppose the argument could be made: well, we'll just stimulate the area of your brain that gets gratified from accomplishment. I, but still, I I think that it'll it, you know what's the point of that that to me, that would be akin to drugs, okay, illicit drugs. Um, instead of, you know, uh, and, and, and so instead of doing that, why don't we really accomplish things that we can't even dream about today? We, you know, we, we imagine a future or, or we, we find ourselves in a future where we just, we do those things and, uh, and, 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 get, and get satisfaction out of doing things we can't even imagine today. That's, that's the future I want, you know, not sitting there yeah, pushing exactly. buttons. Yeah, exactly, and I think that'll be the distinction between um uh between say virtual reality fun which is just you know i've got jessica simpson coming over to my house every night versus um the everest game where you know by the time you've reached the end of it you've actually acquired a skill a whole set of skills and you've actually accomplished something that people have worked in the real world for years to to be able to accomplish right um that'll be that'll be the distinction because ultimately a lot of this kind of stimulation that people could have in a virtual world would be pretty similar to pushing that pleasure button. And I think that the trick will be not to fall into that trap, the, the, right. the trap that um, uh, Scott Adams calls the, uh, the, the, the holodeck fallacy. He says that, uh, that the holodeck is actually the last invention that humanity will ever make because once that happens, we'll all be in there just basically doing the live porn every night, right? Yeah, the, the, the harem. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
<laughs> all, all progress will cease and uh, the, the world will come to an end. But I don't think so. I think Eliezer's uh, got the right idea here that, that instead what we will do is um, – yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll all spend six months in there, but then uh, then we'll, we'll decide that maybe there's something else that right, needs we'll to be done. Six months in there, and we'll go. I got to do something else. I got to learn to you know ride a motorcycle or something. Like that. <laughs> you think about uh, uh, Keanu Reeves in The Matrix, where he's in that full immersion um, environment where he can just say, "I want to learn kung fu," right? You know, right. I, I want you know I, I want to learn how to fly a helicopter. Um, to, to be able to, in that context, you take that skill on immediately. But there would have to be there would have to be some component of of appreciating the improvement that you've made and the broader perspective of the world that you gain from from being able to take something like that on. And I think I think that if we move towards an idea of fun that involves you know those those kinds of what am I looking for here uh, improvements to our own con- condition, not just pleasure, but yeah. actual growth of who we are. You know, th- then we've got a then, then we've got an open-ended future where I, I don't think we would ever have to worry about getting bored. I I, I think that there's perhaps uh, you know there's the possibility of a future where you know it's almost as if improvement of yourself could actually be the the, the currency of that uh, of, of of an economy at that level. Um, I don't know how 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 better to uh uh to say it than that just to say that you know in, instead of if if there is no more scarcity imagine you know imagine a world where there's no scarcity at that point what do you what do you busy yourself doing um you know at some, at some point i guess it, it if you know self improvement is basically what's left at that point so exactly well when we had Ivan Kerrigan on the show we were talking about a, a possible future economy based on credibility. Right. And, you know, one of the ways you would achieve credibility, it seems to me, is by continuing to increase your knowledge to increase what you're capable of. Th- th- those would be probably the two major ways you would go about achieving that credibility. And so, yeah, achieving in that world what would be uh, economic viability. Right. Right. Okay. Well, so there what... it is. So have fun, make money. Folks, I guess that's what we're saying. <laughs> you can, you can, you can do them both, and that's what the that's what the future holds in store. So, speaking of fun, what uh, what music do we have to listen to this evening? Well, the music tonight is from Axe Riverboy. Uh, is the name of this guy. Um, the The song is Carry On. Carry On by is it Axe Riverboy? A X E, as in something to chop down a tree with. Axe Riverboy. Um, I, I, I think an I, ominous name somehow. Somehow I, I think uh, the axe as in uh, guitar, and okay, R- okay River Boy that. as in probably the place he grew up. So all right, now I'm all right with him now. Okay, so <laughs> okay. carry on by Axe River Boy. Well, Stephen, it's been it's been what's the word fun. Uh, thank you uh, for your for your uh, contribution this evening. We uh, look forward to reading the show notes on tonight's program. When do you think we'll see those? Uh, probably, uh, probably uh, tomorrow at the uh, tomorrow morning at the uh, latest. It, I'm, I'm going to try to get on it tonight. So, at any rate, uh, and we, I, I appreciate the uh, those who've uh, contributed in the in the chat room. It's been pretty funny tonight. Yeah, it looks like it's getting kind of woolly there in the chat room. I think it's just as well we shut this down. Um, but thank thank you to all of all of our friends in the chat room, everyone who uh, listened in. Uh, thanks again, Mike, for running the. Uh, chat room for us and to all of you we look forward to being with you again on the next 
Fast Forward Radio. Good night. 